The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club and there's no prizes for guessing what's on the agenda today. Greg's been busy reporting on all the South American madness for the Athletic over the last few days, but Greg, another assignment for you as well last night. Global Greg Evans continues on international duty again. Demoted to the under-21s, though, Greg. Demoted, come off it. <laughs> well, you, you've gone from seniors to under-21s. Just... Yeah, well, well, I was over in Hungary, wasn't I, just uh, last uh, last Thursday. That was in between the, the last podcasts that we did. That was enjoyable. Um, uh, obviously, the supporters let things down a little bit. The Hungarian ultras were uh, disgraceful, really, the way they behaved. Um, but the game was enjoyable, certainly for me. And yeah, last night it was at MK Don's. Pretty sure I was trying to say to my colleagues, I couldn't remember whether whether I'd ever been to MK Don's Stadium before. Um, I, I'm sure I have at some point because I used to cover League One football. But um, yeah, look, good, 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 good game for Lee Carsley to get his first win um, as Boss fans were back in the stadium. Uh, and the England under 21s who are in a bit of a transition at the moment did did quite well. Yeah, you know, a result that look, it, it was all about the win, wasn't it, for them last night because they're in transition. So yeah. Yeah, a couple of impressive performances as well. And a Villa representative, a surprise Villa representative on the bench as well. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey elevated to the under-21 squad. Didn't didn't get on, but even a great experience for him even just being there, isn't it really? Yeah, I asked Lee Carsley about that after the game, um, do, doing a big doing a big story for, for The Athletic on both Jacob and Aaron Ramsey this week. So look out for that. Um, yeah, mixed emotions really for the brothers. It was obviously Jacob got his first call up for the under 21s and, and then missed the game through COVID. Probably would have played, given that Emil Smith Rowe and, and Ryan Sessignon both pulled out late yesterday and Harvey Elliott as well. So um, yeah, I, I would have expected Jacob to, to have got on. Um, ironically, Aaron Ramsey comes in and, and replaces him in the squad effectively. Uh, was one of the only substitutes who didn't get on, but look, he, he was promoted up from the 19s um, earlier in the week. So we, we kind of expected that. But yeah, great, great experience for him. Um, looked very happy in the warm-ups, for, certainly. And, um, and I think the, the two of them are really kicking on now. Good few weeks for Aaron Ramsey, really, because he's obviously been on the first team bench. Might have been one that we expected to go on loan and hasn't. He's been kept around the place. You know, so you're imagining he could be a regular in the match day squad, really, the way things are going. Yeah, I think he probably would have gone on loan if Villa maybe didn't have the injuries to say Leon Bailey, Bertrand Traore, obviously Ollie Watkins just coming back, um, you know, Morgan Sanson in midfield and, and, um, and the COVID issues that affected them for the Brentford game. So... Ramsey's sort of he's always been a central midfielder coming coming through but um you know in the in the younger ages but now he's progressing and, and becoming more of a tap minded player so it'll be interesting to see where he where he fits in at Villa now but I think the reason he was kept on was because he's developing so quickly and because Villa have got a few um, injuries around the first team so it didn't really make sense to let him go well we wish him all the best with the rest of the season obviously a great start for him let's look at the big story then of the week Greg something you've been working on a lot of the week probably the last two or three days I would say Brazil against Argentina some of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever seen happen on a football pitch and for those who aren't aware of what happened, Greg, can you just do a little explainer? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure most... <laughs> I, I say little explainer, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, oh, well, that, look, yeah. I mean, th- this is probably one of the most complex 
cases of stories I've ever I've ever really worked on. Um, certainly on certainly on international duty. Anyway, it was quite incredible what's happened. Um, look, as we all know, Argentina and Brazil is a huge game. Anyway, um, the, the two teams were playing in the World Cup qualifier, um, and the game had to be stopped because. The health authorities in Brazil claim that uh, four Argentina players, two, two from Villa, as we know, two from Tottenham, um, had broken the rules and entering the country by failing to report that they had been in the UK during the previous 14 days. So um, the, the claim from the health authorities is that the players should have entered into immediate quarantine um, and, and that they didn't report that they'd previously been in, in, um, in the UK, which... It, you know, it sounds so complex, doesn't it? Because I think Emmy Martinez's quotes kind of say it all because he said that Villa didn't understand the rules. Um, I think if you look at the players' faces on the pitch, clearly they didn't understand what was happening. Um, there was confusion in the Argentinian camp, clearly uh, confusion in the Brazilian camp as well. Um, and, and a further claim from the Brazilian authorities was that they were not actually able to access the Argentina team hotel in advance of the game, which partly explains why the game was called off after it started. Now, um, I, I know the counter-argument to that will be, well, the Argentina team were in the stadium in advance of kickoff. Why wasn't it sorted before then? Why wasn't a decision made then? I don't know. I'm trying to find out these answers. Um, I've been working on this story for a couple of days now and um, myself and Charlie Eccleshare, the, the Tottenham Hotspur reporter, have written you know, the, the most sort of detailed, in-depth story on The Athletic trying to explain exactly what had happened in the days leading up to it during the game and, and what had happened since. Um, so yeah, look, it's, it's an incredibly complex case. I think even, even Christian Perslow came out and said that um, he, you know, he was concerned about what had happened and what's happening in the future and, and that it was very unnerving for, for, for people at Villa. So, yeah, it's difficult to put into words, but um, far, far away any questions you've got, Dan, and I'll try and answer them for you. I think the, everyone's biggest concern, well, first of all, will be the players' well-being and that nothing, nothing bad happens to them. But the, the second thing is obviously the impact it has on Villa's first team games. We know they're not going to play against Chelsea on Saturday at Stamford Bridge, which is obviously a huge blow. You know, you need all the help you can get against Chelsea. They're the best team in the league, in my opinion, at the moment. But does what happens, does what's happened affect things further with further games? Yeah, that, that's the real big issue, isn't it? I mean, when, when, when we look at it, Villa have lost their record signing in Buendia and Martinez, who I class probably is the best goalkeeper in the division at the moment, um, for a game against Chelsea, for what essentially was only 90 minutes of football away on international duty. Now, Villa allowed the two players to go uh, after discussions with them. Both Wendy and Martinez made it clear that they wanted to represent Argentina. Um, you know, both for different different circumstances. You've got Wendy who's never played for Argentina before, and he's obviously very still. He still hasn't, and and he's very pumped up to to play. And you've got Martinez, who has been at a Premier League club in Arsenal for 10, 11 years and not been a number one. And has now finally become a number one for his club at Villa and the number one for the country. So he's very motivated to stay as that number one and go and play these games. And as we know, these Argentina players who have just won the Copper America, very, very passionate about playing for their country. So from their side of things, I can understand. I think Villa understood um, that, you know, that... 
why they wanted to go and play, so they let them. The Tottenham side, I think, is, is a little bit more complex, a little bit different. Maybe we can go into that later, but Spurs didn't actually give their players, Lo Celso and um, Romero, permission to go. So <laughs> they're going to potentially suffer even further consequences when they eventually get back to the club. For Villa, they knew that the two players were going. They were going to play in the two games first, not the third. That was agreed. Um, and then they would come back, they'd miss the Chelsea game, and then they'd be available for the Everton game. But didn't um, then the Argentina manager come out and say, well, they are playing all three games. Well, yeah, they I mean, and, and, all three. And, and that was what was clouding, you know, making it more controversial and, and, and clouding, you know, the confusion and adding to things. You know, we, we just didn't understand, but, uh, you know, it was our understanding that, that they were going to come back after those two games. Villa have been very quiet in all of this now. Um, they ha- They haven't, they haven't explained what's going on. Um, that's that's their prerogative, of course. It's totally down to them if they want to keep quiet. I, I presume that they're, they're, they're struggling to get answers themselves and and don't fully know what's going on either. Um, because look, what you've got to remember is Villa were the only club that, that came out and said, we're allowing these players to go. If you go to a red zone country, you're supposed to quarantine straight away. And, and, and when you return from a red zone country... It requires a 10-day quarantine as well. So, I mean, look, you know, as I mentioned at the start of this show, I, I went to Hungary last week for, for the England game. And any any of our listeners who, who have travelled recently will, will share this thought with me. It's an absolute nightmare at the moment, travelling. I mean, it really is. I had to get to, I had to do a, a COVID test prior to leaving England. Um, and... From the moment I booked that COVID test, I had to get to Hungary, do the game, and get back within seventy-two hours, um, just to avoid, uh, you know, any quarantining and, and and things like that, and, and and test further testing when you came home, and the amount of paperwork that you have to provide to the airlines just just to get there, uh, and then the countries when you get in. I mean, it's just so it's really really difficult to to travel at the moment, and I feel a little bit for the players as well because. Our understanding is that they thought there might be some sort of special dispensation, uh, dispensation for the, um, um, you know, for footballers going going and playing at elite level. And to answer your question, Dan, which you asked me about five minutes ago, of um, what's going to happen going forward, is that hopefully there will be some sort of exemption for these players now when if they are going to travel and represent their countries in the future. But it's still very unclear. It's all left with FIFA, so it's down to them, mate. <laughs> I mean, it's an absolute farce that something wasn't put into place for this international break, the first international break of the season. It makes no sense at all. It's almost like, well, we'll see what happens this time, and then if we need to do something next time, we'll do it. It just makes no sense at all. And he's put, they've put the players in a dangerous situation. They've put the clubs in a bad situation. No, but Argentina haven't been able to even play that game against Brazil, you know, so they've put the, the nations in a, a bad situation and got fixture congestion and pile-up as well. There's there's all sorts going on. Where are the players now? So it was our understanding that the players were heading back to Croatia. Um, at the time of recording, we, we were expecting them to head there. The reason they were going to Croatia was because, as I previously mentioned, if you're coming back to England from a red zone country, you have to quarantine for 10 days. The least worst option was to go to somewhere like Croatia, set up a training camp, 
so the players can actually do some physical activity. Is that the four of the four players, the Villa and the Spurs players, or is it just the Villa players together? Well, it was definitely the Villa players that were heading there, and the two Villa, uh, two Tottenham players were understood to be heading there also, as well as Davinson Sanchez, who's a Colombia player and under the same sort of issues because he's coming back from a red zone area. Um, yeah, the reason they were going to Croatia was to to train there. Um, let, let's just try and make this clear: if they were coming back to England they would have to go straight into a hotel or, or a quarantine zone. And as you can imagine, in a room, there's not going to be much area to train. That's going to further knock them back. So their solution was to be go to Croatia, train for a little bit, keep active, help speed up the recovery process uh, uh, and keep the players match fit so that they, when they come back to their respective clubs, they're as fit and ready as possible for the following games. Um, again, another you know crazy situation when you think of it. It's just it's just so complex and um, <laughs> just hard to hard to get your head around everything. Really, yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. I'm not sure they've got a full understanding of the situation. I I certainly didn't. You obviously have saying that have been too nice. Villa should have refused to let the players go. That they think that Villa have got this element of niceness about them as a club, not ruthless enough. Would you go along? I know you've already said that you've explained why the club did it, and I completely agree with, with that reason. To be honest, but do you understand why people are saying? I, 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 I I've seen really. I've seen those uh, suggestions. I think that Villa are moving in. Look, that question really would need an answer from the club, and I'm speaking to Dean Smith tomorrow, so I will put that to him and see what he says because I'd be interested to hear that as well. My thoughts and to answer that question would be Villa are moving in a direction where they're trying to sign elite players who are going to be representing their countries. Um, when they sign these elite players, they will know that the players want to play for their countries as well. Some might not. Some uh, in, in Buendia and Martinez's case, they certainly do. Um, and they want to keep these players happy at the same time as allowing them to fulfil their, their career ambitions. Um, that would be my answer if I was a politician now I need to answer <laughs> I need to get Dean Smith and, and Villa's take on it to see if there's any um, anything else to add to it but that's I presume what he will say to just one final point Dan before we move on and, and we will move on after that well, I hope I've I hope I've explained that situation well enough um, if I if well I understood it so that's a good start I would say that's a good that's a good barometer <laughs> that's, that's, that's good it. to know what what I would say though he's definitely if you're interested in that story and you want to know the reasons why, genuinely go and read that because me and Charlie, the, the, the Tottenham writer, spent a long time putting it together and and, and it is the definitive read out there explaining why. Um, to, to go and have a read in that. Well, as Greg said, there's plenty of stuff around this story on The Athletic at the moment. The impact that it is on Spurs, the impact that there is about Villa. Greg's been doing plenty for the website. So look out for pieces from Greg, Jack Pitbrook, Ed Malian and Charlie Eccleshare on the background of this and why it matters so much to Argentina in general. Hint, it may be Messi's last World Cup. Hopefully you'll be able to learn more about what's coming next as well if Greg hasn't explained it all to you on this podcast so far. 
If you do want to raid that stuff and you're not subscribed to The Athletic, at the moment, The Athletic are offering a 33% discount on new subscriptions, so you'll get all the great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as, as, well as ad-free versions of all the podcasts, including this one. To take advantage of that offer, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll get a third off your new subscription. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. move away from airports and covid greg let's talk about actual football villa have got tough task saturday tea time stamford bridge no martinez no buendia as we've just discussed which one do you think is going to be the bigger miss um i i do rate jed steer as a goalkeeper and and i think he will come in and 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 be a reliable stopper for villa but we know that he's not at the level of as martinez and will there be any nerves will there be a little bit of uncertainty from the defenders perhaps um, so yeah, if, if you're asking me a direct question at the two, I think Villa will, will miss Martinez more. Um, I'd l- I'd hope that some of the attacking players are back so that Buendia isn't missed too much. Um, if the same squad is available as the Brentford game, then I think Buendia's absence is going to be felt as well because there were so many absentees. But um, we'll find out later in the week who's available for Villa. I mean, you'd expect Ollie Watkins to be back. I mean, yeah, you, you think so. It's just we, we haven't had any updates from the manager. It's been very quiet from Villa, so we don't know if there's been any, um, you know, setbacks in training this week. How the how the COVID um, outbreak, so to speak, w- w- has affected some of the others potentially. Um, whether Sanson's back, how fit J- uh, Jacob Ramsey is after missing, you know, a week of training with COVID. Bailey as well. Bailey, you're still waiting for Bertrand Traore. Yeah, it's, we spoke about the disruption, didn't we, last week? So. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the sooner Villa get these players back, the better, because I think they can be a real force once they've they've got the full team available to them. I mean, McGinn played for Scotland on Tuesday night, so that was that was good news. So we assume he'll be back. Yeah, he, he, he's always good to have back. Yeah, yeah, really positive news and uh, a nice moment for him. He, his brother represented Scotland as well with him. I, I suppose I should have known this, but like when I seen the two of them pictured together, it was almost like a double take when 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 McGinn posted a, a picture on his Twitter. You know, I've spoken to him about his brothers many times before. I just don't think I've ever actually seen them. So when I seen them together, it was quite funny, to be fair. Yeah, nice moment to see him again getting to play with his brother at international level, things like that. Obviously really, really good for morale. Chelsea got a few injuries as well. We don't know anything confirmed, but you know, they've got a few things going on as well. But, you know, I think they might be okay with their squad. 
Uh, yeah, I think their squad's not bad, is it, mate? I think they've got a um, few options to turn to if they uh, if they ever get injuries. <laughs> yeah, Lukaku is ridiculous. One that's up in the international break, isn't it? As, as as having an injury. Yeah, I don't like to wish injury on people, but it'd be quite nice if he didn't play on Saturday against Villa. <laughs> Had a little rest. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I watched his first game against Arsenal. He was fantastic. I, I missed the second game that he played. Um, because I was uh, doing other work, I think. And yeah, he, he's a big threat, isn't he? But Chelsea have just got so many, yeah, so many good players they can turn to. I, I always think Chelsea look a lot better when Kante plays. Um, not, not sure whether... I think he might have been sure injured out as well, actually. Yeah. Um, interesting, yeah. Every, every time I've been to Stamford Bridge with, with Villa, they've, they've struggled there, so... It's about time they got something from there, but it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I can think of a few horror days off the, off the top of my head at Stamford Bridge, no more so than that 8-0 defeat in Paul Lambert's first first season. Jesus Christ, we've we've come a long way since then, haven't we? Do you think Chelsea, that that's the, t- the toughest game Villa could have, really? I think Chelsea will, will, will win the league, personally. I think that their squad depth's an absolute joke. I think Tuchel's a joke. Such a good manager, done such a good job there. It's as tough a rask as you can have on a Saturday to time, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it was lucky. Yeah, a really tough game. I, I think the title will be to be between. Well, I actually think that the, the, it could be a really exciting title race. I, I've tipped Liverpool to to win the league. I, I, I do fancy them. Yeah, I fancy them if they if they don't get as many injury setbacks as last season. I think they they'll be very 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 strong. Um, certainly with Van Dijk back now, uh, I think he makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, I think I think it'd be a really enjoyable title race this year. I think it'd be much closer. Um, and as you say, Chelsea, they're just such a good team. The, 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 the squad depth is ridiculous. And, you know, they've got young players as well coming through now. Chalaba started the first couple of games of the season, didn't he, out of nowhere. And you just think, wow, you know, if they, if they, can, if they could blood a few youngsters as well as um, spending, you know, hundreds of millions on players, that you know, they're a real force. So it'll be a tough test, but it'll be good for Villa, I think. Um, the first three games they were expected to win. Now they go into a game where they're not expected to win, so it might be a different, um, you know, scenario for them. Yeah, I've done a few podcasts for the Athletic on Chelsea recently and read read a few pieces. I think that they're in such an, an excellent place that they're in for a really exciting season, Chelsea. I just remember Conser's injured as well. Well, Conser went off injured in the, in the last game as well. You know, it'd be nice if they had a full squad to choose from at some point. That's what I'm trying to say, mate. Um, I think yeah, we we need to we need to check on Konza. The, the good thing is, you know, Ming's obviously played uh, against Andorra, didn't he? So got himself um, a sneaky yellow card, didn't he? As well, <laughs> get himself back to body more. Well, sneaky little yellow against Andorra. Well, look, you know, he's been I he's been see, struggling. I see you, Tyra. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. He's been struggling with a with a rib injury, so um, we, we knew he'd missed the game in Hungary because he was he was in a lot of pain then. Um, but hopefully. He'll be paying free by the time Villa play Chelsea. They're they're going to need him in a game like that. Um, you know, if Lukaku plays, Mings is probably the best Villa defender to handle him in terms of his physicality. I think. Um, so yeah, they're, they're going to need him. Hopefully, Conz is available, but if not, I'm sure Twanzebi will come in and, and, and fill in nicely. Do you think if Conter is available, you could see either him revert to, to right back and Axel stays inside, or Axel play right back, make it a bit more? Because we've been a bit Chelsea doing yeah. doing that, didn't they, in the last game of the season yeah. last last season? Yeah, I, I I I would like to see that. That's something that uh, I, I thought really worked really well last season, and you know I've said that in many podcasts. I, I think for these really big games, and, and as you say, Dan, it doesn't get much bigger than than away at Chelsea. Um, 
why not put Konza there because he showed that he can do that and just tighten things up a little bit um, you just got to make sure you get the balance right remember last season Jack was there and, and, and causing lots of problems really going forward um, Just got and, and obviously Ollie Watkins was in good form just got to get the right balance yeah but no, it would really be really good I know I've already mentioned it but it would be really good to see Leon Baylor against Chelsea because I really do think he's going to be the go-to guy in terms of getting the ball to him like, like, like Jack was for Villa I just think Leon Bailey's going to be a sensational player for us and I want to see him sooner rather than later As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We did ask for some questions on Twitter, and we got got quite a lot, to be fair, Greg. There's a, there's a lot of questions to get through here, so we'll try and get through as many as we can in this segment now. The first one's from American Villain. There's been a lot of criticism of Smith lacking a style of play and tactics. Can you all discuss this and his preferred style? Yeah, I, do you know, I don't think he, he has a preferred style anymore. That When he first joined Villa, he wanted to pass it out from the back. That, that became very clear. Um, you know, Villa signed Tom Heaton uh, as a goalkeeper in in Dean Smith's first full season, and and I remember Neil Cutler, the goalkeeping coach, saying how they had to train Tom Heaton to pass it out from the back because um, he you know he wasn't used to doing that at Burnley. So Smith wanted to progressively move the ball forward, may, um, um, dominate possession for long periods, and. And but then you know he's changed over times. He, he's changed from then a he's moved to a pressing team at times. When you when you remember the first season, um, again back in the Premier League, he was. I remember watching the the front three players. They used to press quite quickly and, and intensively, and then that changed. Then he moved to more of a counter attacking team for, for a certain period. And I, I I don't think Villa have a a certain style of play. <laughs> 
the word identity gets thrown about a lot, but I think if you're a team that's performing well and are mid-table in the Premier League, you don't necessarily need an identity if you're getting you the change, results. You change, don't you, on a game-to-game basis? With things. Yeah, and look, the... There are football consultants and ex- football experts and, and consultants out there who say that every team should have a style of play. And if a team has a style of play and develops that over a three, four, five year period, that's where the most success will be gained. But it's just not that way in England. Style of play is not as important. Um, and I, I just think what Dean Smith's doing, he's getting enough results, he's okay for Villa and... Yes, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, it? If you have a if you have a set style of play, you went out and played the same tactics every single week. You're going to get found out. Look, the, I clubs mean, are going to realise how how to counter against how to how to work against it. I don't know if you did the same thing every if, single if, week, yeah. you can't have a set no, way no, of look, playing. You have to adapt on a game by game basis. Of course you don't. But I mean, you you can have a style of play. That I, I totally get that because Man City, for example, have a style of play. They just they will change their. Um, you know their formation slightly. They will change ve- little bits that, that Pep Guardiola yeah. see looks. Oh, no, but they that. have a, a very yeah. clear style of play, which um, pretty much ever since Abu Dhabi took over them. Um, you know, first obviously Mancini that there was a style of play developing there. Then Pellegrini came in, similar style of play, and it was all leading towards Pep Guardiola. And now they have a very very clear style of play, but. And, and Liverpool have had it under Jurgen Klopp, but there aren't too many other teams that, that have. Elite teams. Yeah, and we're mentioning two elite teams. I suppose if you look, for, look slightly down a little bit, you've got Brentford, they play a similar way. Brighton like to play a certain way. Um, but the, the issue you have in the Premier League is that a, a Premier League ma- a, a manager has probably 16 to 17 months on average as, um, as 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 a head coach or a manager, so things change, and then when a new manager comes in, he wants to implement a certain way. So that's why I go back to football experts and, and consultants. They say that the best run teams have a style of play, but it never changes when the manager changes. We're in a bit of a unusual um, situation with Villa because Dean Smith's now one of the longest serving managers in the Premier League, which is incredible, really. Um, I suppose if you look at Bright, uh, you look at uh, Burnley. They've got a style of play, haven't they? It's not, it's not what, it's not what Villa fans would like, but they do have a very clear style of play. For Villa, I think they're still just developing it. It's about being adaptable as well. You know, think about after lockdown. Dean Smith changed the way Villa defended. There's so many different things. It's not just style of play. There's the way you defend. There's the the way you press. The way the way you are on and off the ball. There's, there's so many different things. It's not just about a style of play. And the one thing I would say is. When Villa were in the Championship and playing against Brentford, everyone was raving about Dean Smith's style of play when he was at Brentford, saying this is the kind of thing we want, this is what we're missing, and now 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 we've got it. Now, I'm very I'm very happy with what we're doing and and, and where we're going. But on a similar vein, Richard Bowden's asked, "What does Dino have to do to switch the haters off?" Because <laughs> there is there's but there's there's whoever's in charge. You go on social media, there's going to be some people that don't like him, don't like what he's doing, disagree with everything. It's just the way of the world now, isn't it? Right. So, yeah, it's interesting, really, because I thought this was just Villa fans. Now, I thought it was just Villa fans getting on, getting, occasionally getting on Smith's back. And, and it, look, it's 100% not everybody. It's a, it's a small minority, I think, and, and, and a vocal few on Twitter every now and then. Um, but I put a tweet out a couple of weeks back when I was watching the Leicester game and um, I, I was confused 
because I didn't understand why why Ian Acho wasn't starting because I think he had a great end to last season and I, and I was yeah. really confused that he wasn't starting. Um, I can tell you why I wasn't starting Greg because I put him in my fantasy football. Well, I had him in one. there as that, well, that, and be, that was, that be that was part of the reason why I uh, why I put it out there. But um, I got lots of replies from Leicester fans saying Brendan Rodgers clueless because it's Brendan Rodgers useless, and I just really? thought. Wow. I just thought, wow, it, it must just be every club that feel, that like have these, um, you know, few that, that that think their manager just isn't quite good enough. And I think, uh, I, yeah, I, I, look, I've said this time and time again, and I'll stick by it. Dean Smith's doing a really, really good job at Villa. He's met every single brief in every single season. So get me a Villa fan who tells me that they don't want their manager to achieve something and progress the club every single season he got the club promoted in the first season which is what he was asked to do he kept them up in the second season which is what he was asked to do he got them into mid-table last season which is what he was asked to do progression every single season that's probably his buzzword isn't it Dean Smith progression loves it and he's getting it this season the pressure is on him because he's going to have to progress again. He's going to have to get Villa into the top half of the table to say that he's improved this team again. And to be honest, I'd back him to do it. Yeah, same. I'd like to get some. I'd like to get someone on this podcast who was anti Dean Smith. Actually, we should try that definitely, and and try and I don't know try who. and really get into the reasons why. Because because I, I would I would genuinely love to know what they think. He's so bad about him. It might, might be difficult to get someone on who's podcast efficient. <laughs> I, I, I would say some of the stuff you say on Twitter is an, is an absolute joke. But if, if, if you're a reasonable person and you are anti Dean Smith, let us know in the comments or on Twitter, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get you on and we'll, we'll try and have a chat. I'd be really interested to do that. F- football is so it's for, for supporters. It's a lot of them. It's week to week, isn't it? It's if if Villa if Villa lose one week, then they're looking at why, and they're trying to pick the reasons out why. Whereas if you if if you have a more sensible approach and look at it over the course of a season and analyse the seasons, then nobody in their right mind surely can criticise Dean Smith. Hmm. I, I think we're on the same page with Dean. I think we, we we both rate him and we both respect what he's done for the football club enormously. Let's move on to Sean Reynolds then. Injuries and form has meant Ashley Young has had more game time than most of us thought. Does he start when everyone's fit, Greg? Um, well, if you'd have asked me that at the start of the season, I would have said no. Um, I, I thought he would be a player that would come in and fill in from time to time, perhaps come off the bench and, and, and help Villa see out games and, and just give a bit of you know leadership and guidance. Um, I think we might see a little bit more of him, to be honest. I think that... Don't think he's had the best of games in in the three games that he's played, but I think he's done all right. Um, and and I think Smith likes that. that Smith likes him in there. So yeah, I think I think we'll see more of him. Leadership, that's the biggest thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, hundred percent. I imagine he trains very well as well. Can you ask? Can you ask Dane tomorrow about how he's been in, in training? Oh, he does. Like, he, he does. He, the, the he does. Room. Yeah, he trains very well. Um, look, they've, they've nicknamed him Young Ashley there because they think that you know they can't believe he's thirty six years old. Um, he, you know, he's very still very competitive in training. Um, sets very high example. Um, sets very high standards. As does Danny Ings. So yeah, the, the, the new signings are really helping Villa. I like having a player that's always in the refs there on the pitch. I liked that when we signed John Terror, and and I like it about Ashley, about Ashley Young, always chatting to the ref, always mm. having a little pop mm. at the ref all the all the way through the game. I don't know why, but I really I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like having a player that does that. 
like it's almost like they're trying to ref the game a little bit and influence things. I, I like having that on my turn. Yeah, it's useful, very useful. Um, it, look, I don't think Young's best position is in the midfield attacking areas anymore. I think he's a better defender. Um, but if you've got Mings, who's very vocal, and, and let's get this right, Mings is not a player that gets in the referees here. He's very, very respectful on the pitch. He's more of an encourager for his teammates than, than someone who's hammering into people. Young is um, more of a cheeky, uh, you know, annoying type. <laughs> if you're a, if you're an official, you would be sick to death of his voice. Um, but yeah, as you say, a good thing for Villa. One from Stu Mortz here. Are there any major plans to do work on Villa Park in the pipeline? Will the ground be extended or capacity increased? Yeah, in terms of the extension and capacity, I'm, I'm not too sure that's on the uh, immediate horizon. I'll ask the question because I know it's certainly in the thoughts. Um, there's actually a lot of work that's going on and in, in and around Villa Park. It's become a, not a dated stadium, but... There are lots of little improvements that need to be made. Now, if you'd have gone to Old Trafford four or five years ago, it was almost falling apart in, in, in various areas. And you thought, wow, this is you know the theatre of dreams, as they call it. And and, and, and it needs it just needed a lick of paint. And when these owners, Steve Suarez and Wes Edens came in, they realised that around Villa Park, there were lots of things that needed changing and improving and upgrading and updating. And that's just... That's just little minor things that supporters might not necessarily see inside the corridors of, of Villa Park and and, and very the hospitality has changed areas. hasn't it quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, and you know done a lot th- that was one of the areas they focused on. But there's there's so much li- so many little things that are going on to 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 pull towards a bigger picture. So um, Villa have got big aspirations of of making that stadium a world class stadium. Uh, the fact that they attracted Foo Fighters to, to to the stadium is a big plus point for them. Big signing, big it's signing. Hu- it is, it is a huge signing. I mean, look, you know, we're, we're laughing and saying it's tongue in cheek, but it is a it is a big deal, you know. Um getting these events <clears throat> at the stadium's a big deal for the commercial team at the club. Um and there are improvements at making around the stadium. As for the extension and capacity, I don't quite know yet, but I'll ask the question. There are I know, I know that there are some some plans. The the, the plans are in the, place. The yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's there's some plans. I know I know also that there were some plans already there from a previous regime when the club when the the, the new regime arrived and apparently they were an absolute disgrace. Those those plans. Yeah, are, I mean what they've got now I've I've heard that it's very like very future proof what they're looking at at the moment. Any anything they do is going to be top of the range in 10 years time still that that that's how far forward they're looking. I will say as well that I was at Villa Park a few weeks before the season started and Tails took me into the directors club and they did some nice work in the corporate hospitality around there. He looked looked really, really smart. So some big, big changes. So they they are doing stuff. I think they realised that they did have to catch up quite a lot. Like you say, things that you wouldn't necessarily notice on a match day, but there was a lot of things around the ground that were dated. I I don't want to upset our producer, but I saw some stuff around St. James's Park and their corporate hospitality and the ground falling apart the other week. And bloody hell, thank God we're not Newcastle. just, Just the main word there, the main takeaway is just absolute neglect. What is going on? Horrible, but yeah, don't upset the producer too much. <laughs> Paul Tipton, regular listener, Paul always always 
coming up on, on, on Twitter and on, on The Athletic, so thank you very much, Paul. Hypothetically, if Amazon Prime wanted an all-or-nothing series featuring Villa next season, would you be for or against it and why, Greg? Yeah, I'd be up for it. Um, I think that uh, purely from a journalistic point of view, we don't get much access at Villa anymore, so we don't really see uh, too many things you know, behind the scenes, the, the, in, the ins and outs of what goes on. Other clubs are much more open to that. Villa, Villa aren't. They're a closed book these days, so I'd be all up for, for watching it, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Arsenal one next season already. They're not going to call it all or nothing, though. They're just going to call it nothing. I think <laughs> you love a little dig at Arsenal, don't you? <laughs> well, well, I mean, they're not going to be winning. They're not going to be winning all, are they? So I think it's just going. It's just going. To, I honestly think they're in massive trouble this season. I think that's going to, it could even end up getting cancelled because I think the whole thing could, could just end up being a complete embarrassment to the club. I just think what a great one to pick for, for this season, Arsenal. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that. There's a, they're, they're cropping up more the football documentaries. I noticed there's a Feyenoord one. On Disney Plus, that's just come out as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I watch that because I, I love that kind of thing. I'd be up for it as well. I think it, it, it would be very, very interesting. It's always more interesting when it, when it's your club. Leeds have done stuff, Spurs have done stuff, Man City, Sunderland. You know, it'd be great to see Villa involved in something like that. Just imagine the year we went, we went up. If there'd have been a documentary filmed that yeah. season, just the dramatic turnaround and and how things change. The manager having a cabbage thrown at him. There's just all sorts going on that season, wasn't there? It would have been an incredible documentary. Yeah, yeah that really would. I think Atletico Madrid have got one as well from their chat from their title winning season last year. So that should be interesting. Have I that? think so. I think I read some yeah. yesterday. Um, Michael, Michael Calvin wrote a, a fantastic book on, on Millwall as well um, when he was given basically a season to just uh, you know no holes barred access. Just or, or, you know basically was with the team for a season and and, and wrote his findings from that. An excellent book, well worth a read. There's a good, there's a good Dortmund documentary as well that I've watched following them around for a season. That's, that's really, really interesting because they're they're a class club, Dortmund. That, that's probably my favourite one that I've watched. I think that probably does us, Greg. Otherwise, we'll still be recording when Poland England kicks off tonight. So thank you very much for everyone's questions. Good high standard considering it's Twitter as well, and we've actually held some back as well for future shows because because we've got so many. So you might see a few of them in the future. Don't forget that offer on The Athletic at the moment, a third off the subscription when you go to theathletic.com slash villapod. Just time then to say thanks to you, Greg. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're a very, very busy boy, global Greg Evans. I mean, you've talked about Brand Bardell before. I, I've noticed you on Premier League Productions outside Villa Park the other day <laughs> as well. I don't think this stuff goes unnoticed. I've noticed a change in you recently. Yeah, well, I'm just learning from the best, aren't I, Dan? So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Chelsea at the weekend. Will you be there? No, I'm not going. i letting myself down. First oh, league game yeah, I've missed yeah. this season. You, you, yeah. you, you're not really in a way fan, are you? Not, you're not one of them proper fans that goes to a, all of the games. Unless it's the Majeski mate, the home of football. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll always see me there. But yeah, no, unfortunately, I will not be there on Saturday. But I will be watching on Sky Sports, hoping to try and catch Ronaldo's debut for Man U in some kind of way as well. But yeah, we'll be back next week, won't we, Greg? Talking about Villa's three points at Stamford Bridge. Thanks ever so much for listening. Take care. Have a good rest of the week. Of the Villa. Athletic.